Welcome to the Creative Writing Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. This podcast is your place to hear brand new fiction and poetry from American creative writers. Today's story is by Patrick Thomas. Patrick Kirk Thomas is a late 20s author and copywriter out of Naples, Florida. He is currently at work writing and publishing multiple novels on Amazon.com. Narrating his story, Shotguns and Smartphones, is Alexander Smith. Thanks for tuning in today. Now let's start the story. Shotguns and Smartphones by Patrick Kirk Thomas. Copyright 2017. I've never been to a baby shower. It isn't even a conceptual thought for a 26-year-old male. Since my wife's family includes men for female traditions, I focus on the upcoming exit number. We're driving two hours east of the Atlanta suburbs to a baby shower in the middle of nowhere because JC's 19-year-old cousin, Tony, is awaiting her first child. I met Tony briefly at our wedding last year, and since our recently established family bond, I'm obligated to accept her every friend request on multiple social media platforms. I check these services sparingly, and yet... I still feel like I've been there for Tony's every ultrasound and morning sickness dilemma. My smartphone vibrates with a text message. Group text, Pete Thomas, 1247 p.m. Vegas this weekend, baby. Photo of a Ziploc baggie quarter full of white powder, a packet of condoms, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. My circle is small, and I only stay in touch with a few business associates and Kappa brothers from college. Our group text of morbid multimedia escalates on the weekend and fades by late Monday. I live vicariously through my friends, and since I'm not attending any events with beer funnels, boats, or sending raunchy nudes of last weekend's one-night stand, my life remains slipping into a mundane existence of work and marital duties. I spend my lunch breaks and pass the time fighting late-night insomnia by scrolling ad-free websites. User-posted videos uploaded from around the world keep my eyes glued to a flat screen in the safety of my home or office. Brazilian machete fights, animal attacks, bridge jumpers, gang fight compilations, freak accidents, or beheadings have me craving what tomorrow's leaked video will bring. I binge-watch human horror for hours and keep my desensitizing addiction to myself. The white-painted dashes of the highway blur as I listen to the latest gossip from JC's office. If 19-year-old Tony would have kept it in her pants or utilized any common sense contraception, I'd be on the back nine of my fraternity's alumni charity event today. Her personal decisions have disrupted my golfing plans, and I'd rather be anywhere else this Saturday than attending a pregame party for the unborn. JC pauses and takes a breath after a series of lash-outs toward one of her obnoxious co-workers. She reads my emotions better than my own mother, and realizes I am not in the mood to discuss office politics. You know her fiancé, Eric, will be there. You guys can drink beers and play cornhole in the backyard or something. I shrug. The baby shower is at his parents' house anyway, and they have a nice chunk of ranch property. You might even get an ATV ride out of it, JC says, squeezing my fingers. Yeah, that sounds fun. I can't remember the last time I was out in the sticks. I playfully mock in a backwoods accent. She hates when I do that and pulls her hand away. Ah, come on, don't get mad. You're my navigator, babe. What's the next turn? 
She ignores me and maintains a distant stare out the passenger window. We take exit whatever off of the interstate, and the faded sign for Shadbourne comes into view. Acres of cornfields and gated retirement communities go by before pulling down a two-lane strip of fast-food restaurants. I follow my phone GPS past a tractor dealership and down a dirt road for another three miles until we pull up to the ranch. A pack of discolored mutts aggressively rush the car and chase us down the line of pickup trucks and early model sedans. Most have a flaking window tint and faded blotched paint jobs. I'm not happy that my $45 wax job caked in dust, but my car looks like a Ferrari compared to the others. JC steps out to shoo away the pack of rampant dogs before I park in a patch of grass. She knows a paw scratch in my car or dog slobber on the windows would devastate me. I step out ignoring my filthy rims and white powdered tires and grab the presents from the trunk. Diapers, baby formula, infant clothing, and a book on motherhood that took us a half hour to find at Barnes & Noble this morning. My phone vibrates. Group text. Nick Davidson. 1.34 p.m. K.A. Golf Tournament. Decisions, decisions. Photo of three young blondes and an older but beautiful brunette posing with liquor bottles in a golf cart. AJ, 134. Dibs on the hot mom. I shove my phone back in my pocket and gather the rest of the presents. The small house is draped in pink streamers that cover the beige-colored stucco. The roof is covered in pine needles, and the shingles display its share of summer thunderstorms. We walk across the gravel path of cigarette butts and beer caps toward the front door. I feel bad for the baby being brought into this crummy backwoods atmosphere. Maybe the kid will grow up and leave for better things one day. If not, this small town will trap any future potential. The outburst of laughter and high-pitched womanly squeals is audible 15 feet from the house. The door opens and the muffled voices explode into a cheerful roar. Sunlight illuminates the dim room while women conceal their phones and shift their purses before standing. Women of all shapes and lengths surge towards us in a barrage of hugs and cheeky, wet kisses. I say hello and reintroduce myself to a few distant in-laws. Tony waddles over and her bulging belly squishes into mine. After an awkwardly long hug, I ease my way out of the stuffy room of perfume and bad breath to find the refrigerator to cool my six-pack. As of now, I'm the only man in this ocean of estrogen, and I wonder if six beers will be enough to endure the rest of this afternoon. I add the baby gifts to the stockpile of boxes wrapped in pastel colors. I'm relieved when I see two men standing in the kitchen with Budweiser's in hand. I step over a few mangy cats with my six bottles of IPA and move in to greet Tony's fiance. I make an attempt to catch his attention beneath the acute bill of his camouflage visor before saying hello. Eric, nice to meet you, I say, shaking the dead fish of a hand he gives me. His blonde buzz cut has thickened to the volume of a chia pet and protrudes through the top of his hat. His eyebrows slant down as he focuses intently on the position of chewing tobacco, protruding his lower lip. His front tooth is still missing and appears to still be the gap of choice for shooting dip spit into an empty Gatorade bottle, stuffed with a brown slime of melting napkins. His bright red face illuminates the white sunglasses stripe across his eye. He makes eye contact for a split second, 
before looking away. I barely held a two-minute conversation with the guy, and we share absolutely nothing in common. I pretend to admire the row of deer heads on the wall behind the two and awkwardly wait for Eric to introduce me to the young man next to him. So how has everything been? New baby on the way, huh? I say. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, he says, pumping more spit into the bottle through his missing tooth gap. He peers over my shoulder into the living room, and there is an awkward silence as we hear JC giving everyone the rundown on our new life together. Eric's friend leans against the Waffle House yellow-colored countertop. They look the same age, 20 or so. Both of them uniformed in boots, blue jeans, and loose-fit sleeveless t-shirts, even in a casual polo shirt and loafers. I feel overdressed for the occasion. Hey, I'm Sam, I say, offering a handshake. Sam? Name is Mason, man. Pleasure to meet you. Mason's handshake is firm, and there's a sincerity in his voice. He has a straggly goatee and darker features than Eric. He makes eye contact, then studies my wife behind me. The living room grows louder, and it's only a matter of time before a menstrual cycle or heat flash discussion erupts. Eric signals his spit bottle in the direction of the sliding door. Come on, about time we get outside, he says. I follow the two out back to a deck overlooking a small pasture below a wall of tall pines. A swamp buggy parked behind an algae-stained above-ground pool immediately catches my attention. The custom-made vehicle is impressive, basically just the deck of a pontoon boat with a bimini on top, welded to a monster truck frame with tractor tires. The backyard smells like diesel fuel, and random car parts are scattered in plastic bins across the dead grass. A broken-down Buick, with moss growing on the windshield and two of the exact same rusted swing sets, make the lifted swamp buggy so appealing that I anxiously await a ride. Eric scoops up the plug of tobacco from his lower jaw and flings it into the burnt blotches of grass. We're taking the buggy out to check some traps, maybe pop off a few rounds. You want to ride with? He asks. I shrug. Yeah, all right. This Saturday might not turn out to be as bad with a few beers and a booze cruise through the wilderness. Mason scales the side of the buggy and reaches his lanky arm to turn the ignition. The engine rumbles and blows a cloud of black smoke from the exhaust pipes. Eric comes out of the shed with a few rifles and bullet slings. The two shotguns make him look small in stature, and I feel the urge to snap his picture and post it to the group text with a clever caption. I open a bottle of beer instead. I got this twenty-two. if you want to shoot it, Eric says carelessly, tossing me the rifle. It's smaller than the other two and looks as if it has been sitting on the bottom of a pond for the last year. I examine it briefly and decide not to risk a misfire exploding in my face. You know what? I'm all set. I'll just kick back and watch. Eric shrugs and spits. How many acres is your family sitting on out here? I ask, scanning my beer bottle over the acreage. Like two hundred... 250 if you count our neighbors on the other side of the brush. I know these trails like the back of my hand, man. Dem woods lead all the way in the next town. My daddy raised me on them, and I'm planning to raise my kin on it too. Oh, awesome, I say, taking another sip of beer. Which reminds me, Eric says, loading his shotgun. We gotta go check up on my neighbor's land. They're real old and don't move much these days. Called me this morning and said they saw some bum again. Squatting in on an old deer blind between our properties. Oh, interesting. 
Well, I'm here to tag along, so whatever you have to do. Eric nods over his shoulder and walks to the buggy. I snap a quick picture of the swamp buggy with my beer bottle in the frame. Group text, me, 1.58pm. Swamp buggy ride plus cold beer? I send the photo of the custom swamp machine with the endless acres of towering trees in the backdrop. This should make up for me missing a day on the course. I recline on the back bench under the shade of the Bimini, watching the two boys in front of me navigate through the wooded trails. The natural beauty around us intensifies once we lose sight of the house and gravel road. Small reservoirs with large pines are scattered amongst the dirt trail, and wide pastures with grazing deer along the hedges reminds me that real nature still exists outside the suburbs. The trail narrows after a few miles and the forest. Eric cuts the engine and we step out and start walking. After three beers, I'm carrying the perfect afternoon buzz and look forward to hopefully seeing more wild animals. You take enough pictures with that phone yet, you dang tourist, Eric says. I laugh and crack open another beer. Yeah, I snapped a few shots. It's gorgeous out here. I can't resist. Come on, I have some traps down this trail up ahead, he says, slinging his shotgun over his shoulder. Mason clears his throat as he loads his gun with shotgun shells. If you see a wild boar, do not panic and run, he says. They get rowdy if you run. Just be still and we'll take care of them. I wonder if I should have taken the gun Eric offered. The breeze carries the scent of pine adding a refreshing taste to my every sip of beer. The atmosphere is similar to the golf course I'd be playing today. But out here, there are no landscaping crews, carts, or clubhouses. Nothing for miles in every direction except the sound of birds and the rustling tree branches above. There we go, Mason says, pointing his gun at an orange streamer tied to a low-hanging tree branch. So, what kind of game do you set the traps for, I ask. Mostly black bears, coyotes, coons, lately dem-dam boars, and getting to the bait first, though, Eric says. He leads us up to a tree where a carcass the size of a football is clamped in between the stainless steel claws. See what I mean? Eric spits and pulls the trap up by its chain. He holds it up in front of his face. The deformed, rotting body of a black baby pig is clenched in between the steel claws as flies hum in unison around it. That's a little one. See how the other pigs ate him up before he got caught? Nasty fucking animals if you ask me, Mason says. Yeah, that's disgusting, man. Let me snap a picture of that, I say, pulling my smartphone from my pocket. Happens all the time, Eric says, adjusting his visor. He jiggles the miniature half-eaten pig carcass out of the trap and resets it with some greasy chicken bones he pulls from a plastic bag. If we're lucky, we might have a hit on the walk back. Animals out here are ruthless, Eric says, licking the fried chicken grease off his fingers. We continue down the trail until the towering pines open up into a wide prairie of golden grass blowing under the afternoon sun. In the distance, a wall of black clouds lingers with a low rumble of thunder. I'll give it an hour before it gets loose, Mason says. Eric butts in. Oh yeah, it's gone rain. Eric shoves another wad of tobacco into his lower lip. Yup, when it rains out here, it fucking pours. Mason racks a 12-gauge shell into the chamber of a shotgun and takes aim in the direction of the storm. He pulls the trigger. The blast echoes across the prairie, and even though I anticipated the shot, it startles me and leaves a high-pitched ringing in my ears. 
We continued toward the small standing structure in the middle of the prairie, sheltered by an island of thick brush and pine trees. It could pass as a small fort built by children. Its precise location tells me it is home base for sniping animals from a distance and must be the deer blind Eric was talking about. We get closer, and I can tell someone's been squatting from the amount of trash scattered around the shack, similar to Eric's ranch, but on a smaller scale. I set my box of empty beer bottles into an open garbage bag of trash. I pull out my last beer from my shorts pocket and pop the cap off. Someone's been camping out here and sucking the soul out of ketchup packets. Christ, they're scattered all over, Mason says, racking around into his shotgun chamber. Hundreds of crinkled ketchup and mayonnaise packets surrounded the deer blind, all with split corners and sucked dry. Mason's happy demeanor fades as he and Eric take on tactical stances with their weapons. Eric's eyebrows return to a slant, like they did when I walked into his kitchen earlier, a territorial instinct that shows he's not a fan of intruders. He spits over his shoulder and wipes the brown slime from the corner of his mouth with a forearm. He lowers his camouflage visor and creeps toward the wooden structure. He readies his gun and kicks the door in like a SWAT team member and cuts the corner of the doorway. He takes aim while Mason covers his back. The door to the space the size of my walk-in closet is musty, with a horrific stench emanating within the rapid hum of flies. Sunrays shine through the rectangular slits, illuminating the swirling dust. Something doesn't feel right, and my gut tells me to walk away from this place. But as I peer inside, I want to see the rest of the bizarre imagery tacked to the walls. Warped magazine cutouts of lipstick and shampoo models flutter beneath the thumbtacks pinned to the plywood. Half-dollar-sized holes replace the female heads in the pictures. Doll limbs and naked Barbie torsos are stapled and nailed to the door and ceiling. Their heads are also missing. This dude is a freak, Eric says, pointing his gun at missing pet flyers with dismembered animal tails tacked to the black and white photocopies. The animal heads in the pictures are scratched out, signifying likely trophy kills. A draft blows through the shack, stirring the flies hovering over piles of used toilet paper on the floor. We step back from the deer blind, and just as I'm about to suggest that it be burned, a bicycle chain clicks in reverse from behind me. I fumble my beer as it splashes across my feet. A middle-aged man straddles a rusty mountain bike, staring like a lost child. His greasy forearms gleam in sun, and dry slime in his matted beard covers the corner of his mouth. The stranger looks down at the ground, as if feeling guilt for the first time, and squints upward at the sun, creeping behind the storm clouds above. What are you doing here? He stutters. He looks weak, like he's been walking alone from town to town for most of his adult life. Maybe a homeless veteran, but resembles more of an escaped mental patient. He stands with a crazed look in his eyes, like he's about to attempt something dangerous. I'm unarmed, standing with an empty beer bottle between the deranged man and two trigger-happy rednecks, and for the first time in my adult life, I am concerned for my safety. In one rapid motion, the bizarre man swings a leg over his bike seat and takes two drastic steps forward before his bike falls sideways. I stumble out of the way as Eric and Mason raise their guns. What is your goddamn problem? Eric says, looking down his barrel. The man huffs like a toddler being reprimanded. 
from the thousands of online vids I've watched of homeless and drug addict altercations. I assume this backwoods bum is a ticking time bomb. My only natural reaction is to reach for my smartphone. I press in my four digit code and swipe to the video record button. Finally, my chance to capture a viral moment in time is happening right before my eyes. Have you been sleeping out here? Eric asks. The man is silent, then slowly lifts both fists in a proper boxing stance. What's your name, dickweed? Eric's voice booms. His eyes widen as he lowers his shotgun. Get away from my things, the stranger says. This is my home. He points with a shaky finger at the deer blind. Go, leave me. Eric hands over his shotgun to Mason, then cracks his knuckles. He shakes his arms out and raises them while taking a few steps closer to the deranged man. This is private land, man. You're going to have to find a new place to go, especially with all the weird gross shit you left in my deer blind. The homeless man growls and slides his hands down the sides of his face. Get out! You don't own trees or me and my things! He shrieks and his hands twitch in a weird way, as if trying to spark a lighter. Things? You mean the garbage you left out here and them animal parts stapled to the walls? Mason says. You're a sick! You're a psycho! The disturbed man holds his hands over his ears and continues to growl like a rabid dog. Leave me alone! My family's owned this land for 50 years. Last chance to scram, and I suggest you leave now, Eric says. He takes large strides and shoves him, tripping the man over his rickety and rusted bicycle. I take aim with my phone and press record. This will not only top this weekend's group text, but this thing could go viral with the title Redneck vs. Bum or Backwoods Beatdown. Eric kicks the man while he's down. This is my land. If I come back out here and see you on it, the bum spins around in retaliation and charges Eric, tackling him to the ground by the waist. You! Here we go! Mason yells. I stand clear as the two men roll across the ground in a grappling match. I maintain a solid frame of view for recording. They tussle back and forth, and surprisingly, the homeless man pins Eric. Mason squats down, gripping both rifles for leverage as he coaches Eric through the fight. He takes the role of a referee, keeping it a fair match instead of jumping in to assist Eric, who is now prone on his back. He blocks some of the uncoordinated punches and desperately squirms away to avoid losing the battle he instigated. The bum lands a few solid strikes in his fit of rage. But when he loses his balance, Eric wiggles free and pounds the man in his right ear with a clenched fist. He continues a rapid series of fist strikes at the greasy man's face and upper body. The sounds of knuckle to face make me want to hoot and cheer when the sadistic man falls to his hands and knees. I refrain from shouting or mentioning any names, in an attempt to remain anonymous during the recording. More or less, I'm an innocent bystander with a camera phone. I contemplate on intervening to de-escalate the situation, but I allow nature to take its course. I keep recording and briefly film the inside of the deer blind to justify the brutality of the situation. The sun disappears, and the breeze picks up with a drizzle of rain. My arm stiffens, and my recording becomes shaky as it reaches 45 seconds. I aim my smartphone at the ground, where the man lays in the fetal position, shielding his head with both arms. Eric continues kicking him in the face and ribs. Solid thuds from his steel-toed boots rattle the man's jaw and ribcage. 
crushing decaying teeth as blood leaks from the man's nose and mouth. The frail man falls limp trying to crawl away on his feet. I watch through my smartphone screen as if it were already a published video online, but the audible sobs are in real time and I begin to realize what I'm witnessing isn't from my home or office. Mason drops the guns and runs to pull Eric off. The man cowers on his hands and knees, whimpering heavily, trying to catch his breath. He's covered in blood, dirt, and pine needles as he wipes tears from his eyes. My phone chimes with a text message. JC, 3.17pm. Hope you're having fun out there, babe. Eric breaks free from Mason's grip, and with a gargoyle-like smile, he goes back for more. Eric hovers over the man, but refrains from assaulting him any further. You come back out here and I'll shoot you. I will bury you where you lay, and nobody will ever find you, freak! Eric lands a final kick to the kidneys before Mason pulls him away again. The man crawls into a stumble toward his junky bike, wheezing as if blood is flooding his lungs. My hand trembles as I try to tap the red record button. The word freak echoes in my head as the beer in my stomach stirs, awaiting a nauseating exit. I stare at the man in his torn and stretched out fleece as he pulls his rusty bike up by the handlebars in a slow, pitiful display. It reminds me of the wimpy neighborhood kid my friends and I picked on when we were younger. For the first time in a long time, I wonder whatever happened to that kid. Maybe successful with a career or alone in bad habits instead of a home. I regret ever hurting his feelings, and I see a part of myself in Eric's actions. Certain things stick with you forever, even if you make an attempt to suppress it from your memory. In my pocket, I hold a section of time that I wish I had never seen firsthand. Just when I thought I was desensitized by the morbid appeal of internet videos, reality reminds me of human nature and the bizarre interactions the soul encounters. I stand alone, silent, my fingertips are numb, and my body sweats. The thought of posting the video tingles and twists my stomach in a weird way that satisfies me. Yet I'm rattled by the thought of reliving the sight and sound of a painful reality that I had the chance to prevent from happening. I feel the way a wild pig might when eating one of its own, caught in a trap. It cannot be unseen. Video recording 3-14-2015-352. Are you sure you want to delete this video? You've been listening to Shotguns and Smartphones, a short story by Patrick Thomas. Thanks for listening to Creative Writing Out Loud, the podcast for fiction and poetry. Music by Simon Matthewson. Visit creativewritingoutloud.com to subscribe to our email list and like us on Facebook. Tune in next week for new fiction and poetry from American writers. See you then.